Welcome to the Cross Council Podcast, where we believe that negative emotions should not run your life. Join Mary Carlton and Steve Freitag as they share the keys they've learned from over 20 years of helping people find genuine freedom and live a more meaningful life through the truth, love, and healing of Jesus. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is part two of a conversation that we started last week, and we are looking at some verses in 1 Peter, uh, specifically chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. We're talking a little bit about what it means to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. All right, guys, we'll move on and we'll do the rest of these verses here, starting at verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Be firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right. That's a strong passage. I suppose all of them are, but you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) The words of God, but you know. Mary, do you have any initial thoughts with with the adversary? What I was looking at is, sorry, I had to get my concordance because it's very hard for me to just look at a scripture and not research it thoroughly. (laughs) You know, I just, I love to do that. So um, I love the end of the story there where, you know, we've always looked at that scripture as um, your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And, And I think people stop there like the devil's out to get us, you know. And they they have this perception that we have to fight him and even maybe some fear in that, right? The devil's out to get us. But that's really not what we're, that's not what Peter is um, encouraging us to do. He's saying, resist the devil. And then he talks about at the end in verse 10, and the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So it's a work of God that happens. Our part is to resist. And then God does a work in the restoration. And there's a lot more than that to this. But that was my initial thought. Yeah. And even to back up a little bit, I think it's important to reinforce as much as possible that our our ministry at Cross Council is about equipping people. That's that's what a lot of this comes down to is to be equipped for every good work, to be equipped to be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy or to withstand the attacks from the world or just living in a in a broken system. And so the more that people understand that equipping isn't just this uh, logical, rational way of living, that our hearts need to be equipped. It's not just that our brains have to be smarter, but our hearts <laughs> need to be prepared to withstand those things and to look at what we do is, is there's so much intentionality with what we do. It's there is a reason for what we do. It's not just so that we feel better so that we can be equipped to, to walk this thing out in a proper way. So when we look at the enemy, the enemy is 
whole point is to get to get to Jesus, right? There's just there's a revenge factor with the enemy that I don't know how much we keep in the front of our minds, but that's the enemy is constantly about revenge. It's about destruction. It's about destroying, and he can't get to Jesus, right? He tried in the wilderness. Even tried at the cross. He thought he did. He thought he finished the job, and yet he didn't. He didn't have a place with Jesus in the wilderness. I was able to uh, to speak at our church a couple of weeks ago, and really wanted to emphasize that point that there was no place in Jesus that the enemy could touch, even at his weakest point. Forty days fasting. Still, he yeah. didn't give in to the temptation of the enemy because Jesus was the embodiment of truth. He was equipped. Yes. Yes. Didn't mean that he felt the pain. Like my goodness, like I said that Sunday, like, I can barely fast forty hours, let alone forty days. <laughs> right. And so Jesus was True. was at the end of himself physically, mm-hmm. and yet he was equipped not because he could just pull the right scripture, but because it wasn't that he knew the word. It was that the word was not only in him; the word was him. Exactly. And the more it, you know, Colossians three talks about having the word of God richly dwell in you, not heavily upon you. There's a huge difference because people are very educated and knowledgeable about what the Bible says, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's in them, that that's a part of them. And when it comes to being sober-minded and watchful, there's an awareness that's necessary and knowing that there's, there's a force against us. And it and, and mm-hmm. that force that's against us actually leans more toward our bent of not doing the right thing, of taking the mm-hmm. easy path, the wide path. So to be mindful of that, there's there's so much depth in just those words, sober-minded and watchful. Because if we're not, if we just let life happen, yeah. like, like I might have said before, nobody finds themselves having a, a Olympic gold medal put around their neck and them going, oh. How, what what what's happening here? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that go into that. And in the same way, Paul talks about running the race in a way that he would win. So, being intentional, knowing that the enemy wants to get into those spaces in our heart where we're already deceived. So, resisting him, I think that like that's that's number one. Resist him, but you can't resist him unless you're aware of him. And not to make him the problem, because he's not the problem. He is a problem. But being firm in your faith, that is the heart stuff that we're talking about. That faith is the idea of belief, not just theologically, but experientially. But then also logically knowing, hey, by the way, there are others who are suffering like you. You're not alone. There's, There's brothers and sisters around the world. And that might be more true now than when Peter is writing this. And part of what he's addressing there is that sense of you're not alone and loneliness is so pervasive. But to know that we're not alone, that not only is Jesus with us and for our hearts to connect to that, but there are there are others in this fight. There are others in this battle. And, and that that really does help us. That buoys us in our circumstances to some extent. Absolutely. Just there's so much in this whole conversation. We could spend a lot of time going down the the trails, but what we do, what we try to do and teach people in transformational prayer is to be mindful of what's happening 
as you go through life. Be mindful, be sober, be diligent to see what is the enemy doing here. And he's poking on those buttons that are in you where he still can get to you, right? So pay attention to that. Pay attention. The church, for the most part, I think has taught, yes, he's doing that, but this is what God's word says. What we teach is, see, yes, that he's doing that. How is he able to get to me? God, will you help me to see? And so to look inside and see what's going on inside of us. But I, I love what it, what it talks about resisting him firm in your faith. Okay, so I looked that word up, that word faith, because we always just assume so much about that word, you know, but this is what it actually says in Strong's that that word means a conviction of truth or the truthfulness of God. And then at the end of that paragraph, it says the assurance, the belief. Assurance is another word for it. Belief is another word for it believe, faith, fidelity. Those are all words that can be used there. Stand firm in your assurance, in your belief. And I found that when we let the Lord, when we're sober minded and we go, man, I just did that thing because I had an uncomfortable feeling and I said something that was totally wrong there or whatever the thing is that's being exposed by the enemy many times. When I take that thought captive, when I go to God with it, and when he brings his truth to it in, in the place of the way that I perceive life, now I have faith. Now I have belief. I have an assurance. Now I have a conviction of the truth. And so I can stand in that. It's very easy to stand in that. Because now it's not just truth, it's actually the reality, you know, where I perceived something this way. And then I asked God in those memories where I got that wrong perception, God, what do you want me to know? And he brings his truth. It's actually the reality he's bringing. It's not just a statement about, you know, what's truthful. It's he brings his reality. You're loved. I'm here. Whatever it is that he says is the reality. And so once you know that reality, you can stand easily in the assurance of that because that's what you know to be true. And so when the enemy comes and he says something different or tries to try to tries to devour you, there is that place in me is not there anymore for him to shake me because I have an assurance of the truth. I'm standing in the reality that God has shown me. So the enemy's his scheme there is easily identifiable because it doesn't match what I know. And so it's easier to resist. And I'm talking about the mind games that he plays with it. I'm not talking about, you know, people that are being, you know, killed and persecuted and all that kind of thing where the enemy is behind that. I'm talking about what most of us struggle with, which is the mind games, the mind things that are happening inside of us when life happens. And if we're honest with ourselves, I would say most of us, that is our struggle, at least in America. That's our struggle with what's going on inside of me and in my mind. And it's true for every person on the planet. But I think in America, we don't recognize that maybe. Hi, this is Jenny. 
I've had the pleasure of connecting with so many of you this past year. We are grateful that you are part of the growing number who are listening to this podcast. More people are open to mental health than ever, but are struggling to find genuine peace. Those who come to Cross Council and enter into the melt process you hear us talk about find freedom from so many things, including depression and anxiety, and they are telling others. We are growing faster than ever, so I want to take a moment to ask for your help. We have never turned anyone down for their inability to pay for a session. Our team of donors is vital to keeping that a reality. Please join the team. The healing that happens through transformational prayer is profound. You will make a real difference. Please go to crosscouncil.com and click the donate button. Your generous monthly gift will change someone's life. Yeah, I would agree. And I think part of what you're saying is you just view life differently. When it when it comes to difficulties in our life, I can't even remember exactly what my mindset was. But now I think it was, okay, well, it's a broken world. And you just kind of grouch about it, right? In Jesus' name. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm free of all grouchiness. I'm not saying that at all. But my paradigm has shifted, right? My perspective is, is has shifted. And to, to intentionally and purposely look at things from a standpoint of God is at work, even in the brokenness, even in the messed up things, even the trials and the tribulations and the hardships mm-hmm. of this world and in my life, there's a choice to be made. I can either willingly participate in it and and use this as a, as, as a way to have my faith refined where I can just slug through it and not be changed by it and become bitter and resentful, which is, which is the easy default. But to have that, that mindset of, okay, in this difficulty, Lord, what are you going to expose in me? What have you already exposed in me that doesn't quite align with what your, what your truth is, what your heart is. So, and that can even happen in, in people wanting to be trained in what we do. That it's just like we said in the last podcast, like God just becomes a tool, right? We can just have that bent that it's just, but it becomes almost another one of those solutions or pain managing behaviors that we're just going to say, Jesus, what do you want me to know without actually digging into the heart of what really is going on inside of us? That's just the default, because that's one of the things we say all the time in sessions, Lord, what do you want Fred to know? But it's, it's not about the circumstance. It's about what we're deeply believing inside, but the easy default is, okay, there's this really bad thing going on. Jesus, what you, what, what do you want me to know? Oh, they're a jerk. Oh, yeah, Jesus must, must have said that. Okay, so I can just ignore <laughs> whatever that is. It's not how this works. It would be convenient if it worked that way, Yeah, but it's not real. So I think it, just how how the more that we step into those difficult things, it just we we just start to look at the world differently. Like, what does God want to do? In my heart, what does God want to do in the people that are who are in front of us, so that we are just more pure and refined in what we deeply believe? Mm-hmm. Jesus always speaks to the real issue at hand, right? He doesn't speak to the circumstance, and so I was just grading some some homework in one of our classes yesterday, and. This person was saying, Jesus, what do you want me to know? And the truth in their mind, what was true, what that they received was Jesus talking about the circumstance. In the homework, I corrected them and I said, He he rarely duress, 
addresses the circumstance. And I would encourage you to go back in that memory, which is what we do when we minister to someone. And when we teach, we teach this, go back in the memory and feel how it feels. Do you feel free there? Do you feel peace there? Or do you still feel the negative emotions of that memory? Because my guess is the negative emotions are still there because the thing that that needed to be addressed was that self-identity belief the person had about themselves, which in the truth they received in their mind didn't address that, but addressed what the people did in the circumstance. We just know that that's not Rarely is that ever going to be God's heart. That's not what's needed. What's needed is for the person in that memory to receive the truth about themselves. Not, not an explanation of, you know, well, those people didn't know any better and, and, and they were just trying to do their best and whatever, you know, that is not going to set a person free. So we have an opportunity to correct when people come to us for ministry when they go through our training so that um, their faith, their true faith is established truly in God and not, you know, any false ideas about God's nature or character or even about themselves that are not going to get bring them peace and are not going to establish him like the scripture talks about that. Christ will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That that should happen when a person truly receives from the Lord, when they're bringing their heartfelt beliefs to Him. Yeah, and that in verse ten, that word Himself, that is huge because I yes. do think that we can, in our own strength, you look at the Tower of Babel, and there's so much to extract from that, but just the idea that. God says, look what they can do. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everything, like every breath we take comes from God, right? But we in our own strength are capable capable of doing things. We're capable of getting smarter. We're capable of exercising and, and toning our body and toning our brain and mm-hmm. getting all this information in our heads. But and we don't want to skip over this to after you after you've suffered a little while. And that's yes. What what is a little while? Can we have a time frame on that? <laughs> but it's it's sort of a microcosm of a session. <laughs> it's yeah. With whatever we're carrying that hasn't been resolved yet, whatever uh, deeply seated core beliefs, lies that we believe about ourselves, that's always causing some sort of suffering, whether it's visible or invisible, whether it's conscious or subconscious. That kind of stuff just misaligns us with the way that God wants us to live. And so we we suffer without even knowing it. I had no idea how clueless <laughs> I was about how much anger I was carrying because of the insecurities and and all that, the, the garbage I was believing about myself. But even in, a, in the microcosm of a session is, okay, now we're going to intentionally, purposefully, voluntarily take a look at some of those places and not just look at them, but relive them. And in that, in a session, you suffer a little while to go back there because it doesn't feel good to relive that. But when you choose to stay in that, really take a look at what you're still carrying, what you're deeply believing, then God himself, not us, not because we're smart, not because we can sort things out ourselves or put the pieces back together ourselves, but Christ himself through his spirit 
begins that restoration process inside of us. And he confirms, or maybe even another word for that is like validates, because invalidation is one of the huge emotional buckets that we address constantly. And then we're, we can be strengthened and established. Again, security, strength. And it's him, him doing the work, not us. That's what we love about what we do. We we watch the Lord transform people as they step into whatever they need to step into. Absolutely. And we're testimonies of that, right? So we're not just um, selling people something, <laughs> but we've experienced it ourselves so many times. And I can say, you know, that through the process of all that transformation and continual even now that he's establishing me more and more and more. And I love what it says here and I don't understand it all. I hope, I hope, you know, to continue to get glimpses of what God means where it says the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will restore, confirm, strengthen and establish um, that's not just when we get to heaven. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. You know, what we do here is storing up treasures in heaven. So what we do here is very important to the Father. And the thought that he calls us to his eternal glory, you know, what does that mean? I would love to know more about what that means truly in this life. And we see glimpses of it at times, but to really know what that means, I see it more and more than I ever could have seen it 20 years ago. All I saw was my own suffering and that would have seemed completely out of reach. And now I experience glimpses of it in my life just because I've allowed him to be, to transform me by the renewing of my mind and, and that's just an encouragement for people in their journeys. They, if, if you're starting out at a place where you can't even relate to any of this and all you feel is suffering, there is a way out. And this isn't the only way out. It's the way out that we know that works. So it's just an encouragement to come step into the process, the melt process that we do at Cross Council and, and see what God does. See if he doesn't start making these scriptures actually be something you're living in your life. It makes me think of, I have actually worked with, you know, several pastors over the years. There's, there's one that stepped into some stuff that he never thought he would step into. And by meeting Jesus in that place and feeling God's grace, his love, his mercy, it's changed his, it's changed his whole perspective. People have actually told me when so-and-so after, after he, finally stepped in at the depth that he needed to. It's like, I don't recognize that guy. Like I know people who are very close to this pastor and it's God working that thing out for eternal glory. (laughs) And who knows what the benefits have been from Mm -hmm. that. I'm not trying to keep score. There's no way I could. I've got another, uh, another pastor that I'm working with. And he said, I have never liked myself. I have carried self-loathing in my life forever. And I have not met with him often, but just beginning that track. Mm-hmm. And when you really don't believe that you're lovable, 
that you're worth anything, even though the Bible tells you so, that influences how you teach and how you interact with mm-hmm. people. And and as he's begun to step into this, sensing from the Lord himself the truth that that he wants this person to know. It's incredible. And then there's Mira, I, I sent on this this video of of my buddy Jacob, this young 21, 22 year old, right? And I think John, you've seen it too, where at the very end it's like, I finally think I'm a pretty okay person. <laughs> Wow. I actually like myself now. That was wow. so beautiful. What, right? But how many people carry that for 60, 70, 80 years? Mm-hmm. Oh, many people go to their graves and have gone to their grave with that. Right. And, and it's it, it's a humble kind of place. How I like myself, not in, oh, I'm great. It's the security of the love of Jesus. As yeah. we choose to participate for a short time in that suffering of, of, of that session, but it brings eternal glory because the more that you're rooted and established in love, the less your agenda is important and God's agenda becomes more important. This has been the Cross Council Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, share with your friends, and look for us on social media. The world will become a much better place and Jesus will be seen in a much better light the more we are transformed by his truth and love. We'll see you next time, everybody.